All right, I want to start off with this. Um, this is written by a 95-year-old theologian, poet, um, author, pastor. His name is Frederick Beeker, and here's what he says. And, and this, I want you to think about this. Listen to your life. Listen to your life. That's why I just wanted to pause for a moment here. Listen to your life. Not just the words that I'm speaking. See it for the fathomless mystery that it is. In the boredom and the pain of it no less than the excitement and gladness. Touch, taste, smell your way to the holy and hidden heart of it. Because in the last analysis, all moments are sacred moments. And life itself is grace. I don't know if any of you are ever surprised at times in life where you just go, wow, like existence is a miracle. Does anyone ever have that thought sometimes? I know when I'm listening to my life, I just have these moments of overwhelming gratitude and grace going like, wow, what a miracle. Like we see, we hear, we touch, we feel, we live, we breathe. It's like it does not take that much when we're listening to our life to experience a deeper kind of grace that I think gives us more joy, helps us to smile. But this guy's 95 years old, and I don't know about any of you in this room, but I'm starting to listen to older people now as I'm getting older because I find that they have so much wisdom and so much life experience. So when a 95-year-old says something, it actually uh, gets my attention. So here's what I want us to do this next four months. Let's listen to our lives, and let's just see the grace that is in them. Now, we've been reading this, this text that has been this whole series, and this is coming to an end today. I hope it's mattered to you, but I know pastors like me, we drag out series as long as we can. <laughs> um, but this one is, is meaningful, so I really, uh, this isn't just like something I'm trying to, to extend. This one's really, really touched me in the last couple months, and so, but I hope it's been meaningful to you. But the words of Jesus in this text in Matthew, um, he talks about us recovering our life. He says, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That line just has captured me, and that's what this whole series um, has been about. But maybe you've heard it read in a different way, because that was out of the, the Message Bible. But in, in, out of the NIV and most of the versions of the text that we read, it says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, here's the thing. Um, I've had so many conversations. I've felt this burden, this being weary in life. We've been through a lot over the last 18 to 20 months. And so we've all been caring about, but I've been trying to give language to what we might feel, but I got an image. And tell me if, if some of you haven't felt this before, but this is an image of what that burden and weariness might feel like. Yeah. Has anyone felt like that? I know I have. I really have. And um, even today's message and where we're going to go, um, I've been challenged once again. And I actually see my life like this sometimes. And it's like, how in the world do I get my feedback on the ground? Because <laughs> this burden is, you know, it's so heavy and I'm so weary and I can't do anything with that. <laughs> what can you do except pray a prayer of help me? <laughs> pray a prayer of grace. Yeah, so... Um, this is, this is what Jesus is inviting us to somehow. And I get it. Listen, no message, no one word or one prayer 
is going to bring all that to you. But there is this promise in these words of Jesus that we can learn these ways, a, a different kind of rhythm to life, that perhaps we could be less like that. And, and, and for me, you know what it's been? It's actually looking, what, what are all the burdens that I'm carrying? Which ones should I not be carrying? You know, which ones have I just picked up and, and, you know, because of someone else's expectation or something that I, an expectation I had for myself? First of all, this load isn't even possible. So maybe I need to remove some of that. But Jesus, teach me a kind of rhythm to life that does not look like that. Because I don't think that gets us anywhere but more frustration and more weariness and more discouragement because we feel like we're not going anywhere. But here's, here's the truth, you guys. We are in a society of 24-7, of achieving, accomplishing, of performing, of earning. And it's just the world that we live in. And if we don't stop to listen to our lives, um, at some point we, we look like that poor horse because we have not been paying attention. So that, that's what these words are inviting. Pay attention. Um, I don't know about this, but have you guys experienced some of this? Um, sometimes when I really listen to my life, there's this voice that's saying, there's no enough and no too much. Has anyone ever experienced that? It's like, I don't have enough. I need more. And then when I'm getting more, it's like, I can't ever satisfy that. I just want more and more and more. They're like these two voices in me. And I think, when I'm not paying attention to that, it could be part of the problem. It could be part of the struggle that leads to these unbearable burdens. So maybe it's pausing at different moments in our lives and going, uh, maybe I could find more joy in what I have. Maybe I don't need more. Maybe I don't have to have more. Um, I know even for me, sometimes it's, you know, we want to use more and consume more. Maybe to not pay attention to that in some way can be hurtful to our lives. But there is this restlessness to um, our lives that is really the epidemic. You know, I know we've gone through COVID, but the true epidemic in my life and in a lot of our lives, it's restlessness. And what I think these words of Jesus are inviting us to, that if we're going to center ourselves in the kind of rhythm that he's inviting us to, it should be more restful. So I just want to talk to you this morning about rest. I know it sounds crazy. I want to talk to you about something that was given in the second chapter of the Bible that I think is still relevant to us today, and it's a thing called Sabbath. If you've never heard it, um, today is an introduction to you. I know in our culture, we don't even talk like that, but I want to show you this morning, we'll go back to the second uh, book in the Bible, and we'll see where it was given to them, these people. Of God, and then I want to look at it and how Jesus says it, you know, is meaningful for us. So, go to the second book in the Bible here, Exodus. Now, listen to this, because the whole book of Exodus is these—it's these Hebrew slaves who are being rescued out of slavery. Now, I want you to find your story in here too. When I think about this and how this relates to me, I'm going. There's some things that enslave me. There's some things that I need rescuing from too. And when I'm listening to my life. They're a little more clear. They're things that I could give my heart to and go, hey, I can, I can change that. I can't change this, but I can change that. I can work with Jesus. You can work with me on this, and, and it can be different. So don't just hear this for their story. Hear it for our story too, but listen, listen to this. Um, it says, so uh, they put slave masters over them to oppress the forced labor 
on these poor Israelites. And it was done by this guy named Pharaoh. But it says this, but the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor and brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. And in all their harsh labor, the Egyptians used them ruthlessly. So here's what's happening in this text. There are these people of God that God calls, and they are slaves. They're slave to the culture. They're slave to this Pharaoh. They're slave to this world that they live in, and they know nothing but being worked to death. And in Egypt, what they did is they made bricks. That's what Pharaoh did. He built things, and he used these Hebrew people. And so here's where the way their lives were. And I don't know if this relates to any of you. I know it relates to me. But every day they wake up, and they make bricks, and they make bricks, and they make bricks. Then they go to sleep. They get up the next day, and they make bricks, and they make bricks, and they make bricks, and they go to sleep. They get up the next day, and they make bricks, and they make bricks. Has life ever felt like that to you? Uh-huh. For me, it has at times. It's like this, this routine. It's just like get up, make bricks, make bricks, make bricks, go to bed, make bricks. There is a fascinating absence of rhythm in these Hebrew people. And the whole story is about God delivering them out of that and essentially bringing rhythm to their life. Because at this point, all they do is work, wake up and work. Now, if you want to know what despair is, despair is this. Despair is a life that just wakes up and makes bricks and makes bricks and makes bricks and goes to bed and wakes up and makes bricks and makes bricks and makes bricks and goes to bed. If you want to know what despair can look like, it's when all of our days just blend in and they all begin to look the same. And it's just burden, more work, more things to do, more things to take care of. That's essentially what's going on for these people. And they feel stuck. They feel stuck and it's sucking the life out of them. But this story is about the breaking in on despair and setting them free. So here's what Sabbath is all about. Because this is the first thing that God teaches these people. Sabbath is about a new kind of rhythm. For your life. And so when they get delivered, what's the first thing their God does with them? He goes, There's gonna be one day that looks like no other day. All right, you're gonna work six and you're gonna have one off. And this is gonna be your new rhythm. So that's the first thing that this God does with this people when he delivers them. Six days of work, one day of rest. And it had to be so refreshing to them. So this is what's going on. One day a week. You're not going to do any work. Now, before you start thinking that I'm going to be all judgmental on that, um, it, we, have to, we have to see this as a principle of God wanting to give our lives a gift, a principle of God teaching us that there is a different kind of rhythm that can lead to more well-being and more health. There's this principle of giving all of ourselves the gift of on and off. And that could, that could look different from all of us in here. But I don't want to, this isn't about a rule, okay? This is about living more fully. This is about having more joy. This is about being able to go the distance and not lose ourselves or break down in some way. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to go back to Mark. Um, just so you, I want to show you in Mark chapter 3. Jesus, he's dealing with these Pharisees who they take everything legalistically. So they take this... Uh, this principle that God's teaching these people of the Sabbath, 
And they make Sabbath into this legalistic thing. So when I, when I was growing up, the Sabbath was this. You didn't go to movies, all right? Um, maybe some of you grew up this way. You, um, uh, you know, even football was questionable. I about died when, when I heard a pastor teach on that. You shouldn't be watching any football on Sunday. It's all Jesus. I'm like, wait a minute, football's like bad? Like that, that was a real challenge to me. Um, it, don't play cards. My grandparents, you know, don't play cards on, on Sabbath. Like somehow that was more evil to play cards on, on the Sabbath day. Um, and, and even in some of the counties and some of the cities that we live in, you don't buy what on Sunday? Alcohol. Yeah, so, yeah, we kind of built into our culture these ways of seeing this. But here's what I'm saying. And maybe some of those are good. And maybe they were appropriate for the day and the time that they lived in. But here's what happens. We often get too legalistic and we stop reminding ourselves that there's something more that this matters to us. It isn't just... You know, we give God this day, and God demands that we do this, so we do it. Like, it's for him. I want to show you something. This isn't for God at all. It's for you. God exists. So, of course, we worship him. We've, we follow Jesus. But the reason that God is in our lives is so that we can live more fully. Okay, but look at this. Jesus He's dealing with these Pharisees in here. And it says, another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Now listen how these Pharisees use this. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. What is their issue? There's this man that needs to be healed, and they're kind of trapping Jesus. He's going to heal him, because if he heals him, he's breaking the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a with shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. So this man stands up. Then Jesus asked them, now listen, this is where Jesus turns these things, and I just love them. Love when Jesus does this. He says, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, or to save life or to kill life or destroy life. So he takes this thing of Sabbath that they're living legalistically with, which was put in place for a good reason, but he says, hey, what's more important here? You're trying to, am I going to heal this guy? What's better? Should I not heal the guy? Or should I? And then it said, he looked at them, in anger because they remained silent, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodian how they were going to kill Jesus. So here's this story of someone taking Sabbath so legalistically and Jesus turning and going, wait a minute. By the way, right at the end of chapter two before this little story in chapter three, let me read to you what Jesus said. Everyone, listen here. He says, the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. That's key. So anytime we're doing something legalistically and we're not seeing the benefit of how it's helping us heal, helping us help, help, how it's helping us be more whole and more present to our lives in a more healthy way, um, if it's just legalistic, and we're not understanding it. Maybe we need to understand it more. Or maybe we need to let go of that and see that maybe there's something more beautiful. So here's what I want to do. I just want to, I want to show you a couple things about Sabbath. Um, and if you put up that next slide, Karen, this is what Sabbath is. If you, if you don't even know what that word means. It's a day of weekly repose. A state of resting after exertion or strain. So we could maybe say it like this. Sabbath is learning. There is a rhythm to life. There is a rhythm to life. 
we're actually made for. It's wired into the fabric of creation. Every single one of us in this room needs to listen to our lives about this rhythm and perhaps how we can practice it. So here's what it is. It's a day of week, and these are just some of my own thoughts about it. It's a day of week when the work is done even when it isn't. That's hard <laughs> for me because the work never seems to be done. So um, it's, I have to, it's a day of the week when my job is to enjoy something, period. I'm going to ask you some, some questions about your life in just a moment here. It's a day that I'm fully available to the people that I love the most and that love me the most. It's a day when I produce nothing and I'm trying not to feel so guilty about that. And I put in there, I'm trying not to feel so guilty because I'm just like all of you. Um, I feel guilty on days when I'm not producing enough. But this is the kind of rhythm that we're being invited to. In the ancient world, it was bricks, 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 bricks. In the modern world, it's go, 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 go. And we need this maybe more than we fully realize. But on the Sabbath, we're learning that efficiency Efficiency, my friends, is not God's highest aim for our lives. It just isn't. It's a part of it. And we've been given energies and talents and gifts and work to do in the world. And we should do it with all of our heart and with all of our energy. But God has a much higher aim than just that. And I, I would argue we'll do it better if we will actually learn this six-in-one rhythm and find ways to practice this in our lives. So, Here's my question. This is what I'm wrapping up with. When are you, when are you off and on? And I know our, our works, or I mean our, our vocations and our, the different work that we do probably has different days and different schedules. This isn't about a day. I'm just saying, when are you on and when are you off? Um, I'm going to confess something. I just became aware of this in the last couple of weeks as I was thinking about this. I've lost rhythm. And so I'm trying to find this a little more. When am I off? When am I on? It's an important thing to figure out. Are you honoring the rhythm of creation? Are you honoring the rhythm of your life the way that you were made to do it? Because here's the truth. If we don't pay attention to that, we're going to unravel at some point. Something is going to break down. So we have, to, we have to think about it. We have to wrestle with that. What does that look like for us? And then any kind of rhythm. If it isn't a full day, what rhythm can you introduce to your life right now that would be the beginning of that? Because any rhythm that we could introduce to our lives, I think, will be so helpful and so life-giving. So this isn't to make us feel guilty. Um, this is to say, are we paying attention? Are we listening to our lives? And is there some rhythm that we need to give ourselves to more fully and to think about more deeply? Because here, here's the truth. And Nick, you're back there. I heard a saying that if the drummer's off, the whole band is off. Is that true? Are you sure? <laughs> that is true. If, if the drummer is off, and Jim was our drummer this morning, and he kept us on. Thank you, Jim. But if the drummer is off, the whole band is off. So here's the thing. We are the drummer of our lives. And if we're off, it throws so many other things off in our lives. Consider this. Think about this. Think about ways that you can introduce rhythm to your life that might make your life more life-giving. Um, 
because here's what it comes down to. It comes down to we need a grounded center of rhythm in our lives more than we might think right now. And I think if we will pay more attention, if we would think about it, if we would practice this, I think it's going to take care of a lot of stuff in our lives and in our world. I don't think it's going to take care of everything, but I think it could take care of a lot. I'm trying to practice this because the words of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, he talks about building a house on the rock and a house on the sand. You get, everyone know that story? You know what he says about the house on the rock? He says that it's people who hear his words and what? Practice it. That's what we're doing here. We're not trying to find things that we could believe in our heads. We're trying to find things that we could actually put into practice in our everyday life. So the people who practice this kind of stuff, their house is built on what? The rock, not the sand. Now, let's be honest. For our own lives and what we've witnessed for others, people who don't take this kind of thing seriously, have you seen in some way or have you seen yourself unwrap or come undone? Yeah, we know it's true. So the words of Jesus, we're going to trust him. It's how do we practice this a little more? This rhythm of six on and one off. How, how can we do that? So here is your prayer mantra. This is what I want to leave you with. And we've called it the prayer mantra because this is a portable prayer that you could take with you when you leave here and actually practice it. But Sabbath is taking a day a week to remind myself that I did not make the world and that it will continue to exist without my efforts. I'll read it one more time. Sabbath has taken a day a week to remind myself that I did not make the world and that it will continue to exist, yes, without my efforts. Here's what we're going to do for the first time at our church. I invite you guys who are going to be serving. By the way, we've had some great teachers over this rhythm of grace. Um, We've had Stacia who taught us on one Sunday. We've had Scott Real who's coming up to help us serve, um, taught us one of these. This is a communal effort. Um, we have some great leaders in our church. And here's what we want you to do. We want you to see Sabbath in the same way we're going to do. We're going we're to pass out communion. We're going to do Eucharist this morning. And here's what Sabbath is. And here's Sabbath and Eucharist go together. They're gifts to our lives, a Sabbath rest, a, ray, a, way, a day of, or, or, or even a part of a day where you go, hey, I didn't create the world. I'm going to enjoy this day. I'm going to set that stuff aside because I'll probably do better with it the next six days if I'll give my heart this. Um, but these things go together. What, we're, what, what we want to do with you this morning and together is we want to bring to you the gift of communion. These are, this is bread. These are cups that are filled with juice. And here's what I want you to know. You didn't have to accomplish anything to be given these today. You didn't have to earn them. You didn't have to uh, achieve something. This is just the free gift of God's love in our lives. And so what we want to do, those of us that have taught this rhythm of grace, those of us that are leading in our church community, we want to give these to you as a gift, and we want you just to sit there and to, to receive them. This is a practice of receptivity where you just receive these, and, and we're going to invite you to go ahead, and as soon as you get them, you could just go ahead and take them. Uh, I would eat the bread first. That way you could swallow it down with the juice <laughs> so it doesn't get stuck in your throat, but go ahead and take it. I'm going to pray a prayer before we pass them out, but go ahead and take them, 
And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna stand up and we're gonna sing together for the beautiful gift that, that we've been given in our lives. So let me pray and then we'll pass these out to you and all you gotta do is sit there and receive them because you are all loved and you are all beautiful, beautiful people and you're a gift to this world. And so this morning is about you knowing that and allowing these things in some deep way to nourish you. So let me pray. God, as we pass out the bread and the cup, they represent your life. A Eucharist is, it's a giving of your life in some way that gives us life. So God, these elements that we're receiving and will be taken, they point to something deeper than just bread and grape juice. They point to the rhythm of life that we've been talking about. So as we receive them, would they, God, would you allow them to nourish us in those rhythms? Would you allow that food to produce something in our lives that guides us, that direct us to more health, more well-being, and to the kind of rhythm that can be sustained, that we can find great joy in, and that we could help heal the world with. So would you do that in us now? In Jesus' name, amen.